Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dr. Warren Farrell is a psychologist. He's named by the Financial Times as one of the world's top 100 thought leaders. He's also the author of The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It. Well, boys were, of course, in the news all week and related to that situation last weekend in Washington, D.C. at the Lincoln Memorial. Listen to what Dr. Farrell had to say. The talk has been about what happened in Washington at the Lincoln Memorial last week, late last week. And uh, with a group of high school students from Covington, Kentucky, and uh, with First Nations uh, member Nathan Phillips standing face-to-face with Nick Sandman, a 15-year-old high school student. Everybody's seen the video. And on the weekend, there was so much talk about this. And last weekend, and I was looking at the story, and I was looking at the video, and I was looking at the the vile commentary that was online. And yeah, I was tempted to do something about it, but every time I looked at the video, I said, no, there's something more here. There's something that we haven't seen yet. There's, some, there's going to be something, another development here. So I will not do the story. And now I'm glad I didn't. Here's uh, Nick Sandman talking to one of the American networks. In hindsight, I wish we could have walked away and avoided the whole thing. But I can't say that I'm sorry for listening to him and standing there. I see it as a smile saying that this is the best you're going to get out of me. You won't get any further reaction of aggression and I'm willing to stand here as long as you want to hit this drum in my face. So he said it was a smile. There were others who said he was smirking. Uh, Alyssa Milano doubled down on her attack on the boys and will not retract. CBC Deleted a tweet about the situation. What do they say? It's something about um, the original tweet on this story lacked context. <laughs> Imagine that, the CBC lacking context. The original tweet on the story lacked context. The circulating video shows a youth wearing a Make America Great Again hat standing extremely close to an elderly Native American as he chants and plays a drum. Other youth surrounded them laughing and shouting. So that tweet was... Deleted. So I tweeted back to them, why did you delete the tweet? Stand, fall, or apologize. Deleting doesn't change what you did. I stayed away from the story on the weekend. It appeared to me there may have been more in play than snap condemnation screeching across social media and from certain news sites, CBC. Dr. Warren Farrell is a psychologist named by the Financial Times as one of the world's top 100 thought leaders. He's the author of the boy crisis, why our boys are struggling, and what we can do about it. Dr. Farrell is also the chair of the commission to create a White House Council on Boys and Men, and he joins us today from where it never snows in, well, it never snows in Southern California. Let me ask you, and we played a clip from Nick Sandman. 
Uh, how did you assess what was going on there? And does that scenario and what happened afterward on, online and social media, does that fit into your narrative about the boy crisis? Well, it, it does in many ways. I mean, the, actually, the, the reaction of the press to it and the quick, uh, the quick condemnation of the boys um, from the Catholic, the Catholic boys' school um, was something that I didn't feel would have happened if there were, if there were girls there and they were being taunted. And their response to their taunting was nonviolence and just standing there and either smiling or you know, doing what Dick Sandman said or you know, even if it was a smirk. Um, the, there would have been, a, I believe, a response that would have said, um, you know, these, rather than fight, they just they handled the situation, they handled it courageously. There would have been an honoring, I believe, of the families from which these um, children came if they were girls. Um, but the immediate jumping to it being, um, um, uh, it, it being a condemnation of the boys and then the, the targeting of their MAGA hats or their whiteness or the, their Catholicism or their political stances, I think that would have been either non-existent or much gentler um, if it was um, a group of girls. And so I, I think what I saw in this was the that this fit into the toxicity uh, that um, about the, the belief in the toxicity of masculinity that's sort of blinded Americans to the truth, even when the media shows the full picture, full picture and acknowledges their mistake. Um, my my feeling is that the the secondary problem was the media coverage. The primary problem was the fact that even after the media coverage um, was seen as being inaccurate, and there was a lot of the media that acknowledged their mistake, that the the polls of the American people showed that the great majority that you know knew anything about Covington still blamed the boys, um, and that is something I don't think would have survived as uh, there would have been much more of a reaction. See, um, girls are blamed for everything, um, there, you know, and, um, and, and we should never have done that. And, you know, why are we always making the victims into victims? Um, and, and this, is, this, this, this sex, sexism is running so deep now. Um, and it reminds me of the racism that ran so deep in America during the 50s that if a, a black male was accused of, of raping a white woman, uh, nobody could hear any perspective that did not reinforce uh, the, the black male's guilt. And I think today's issue is with misandry, um, and that issue is um, feeds the boy crisis. It makes many boys feel like um, they are um, they're toxic. There's you know the, the, we we hear things in schools um, since the boy crisis book was published. A lot of the fathers and mothers um, that are writing me are saying they're seventh and eighth grade boys. You know, are going to school and they're hearing you know, the word that is associated with masculinity is is toxic, and they hear hashtag Me Too, giving example after example of of um, you know women complaining about the behaviors of men, and they don't feel. But from their perspective, as seventh and or eighth grade boys, they 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 feel their testosterone and their strong interest in girls. <laughs> Why don't we let you take? Why don't we let you take a, a break and have a little glass of water or something, and we'll we'll come right back. My guest is Dr. Warren Farrell. It's warrenfarrell.com. Dr. Farrell is the author of The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling, and What We Can Do About It. This is a follow-up to, of course, uh, what happened last week in Washington and the global conversation about it, those high school boys from Covington, Kentucky. The bigger picture is the, is the boy crisis, and we talked some about that 
last weekend. Dr. Farrell, uh, you uh, you wrote in uh, The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It, that uh, the suicide rates for boys reaches six times that of girls by the time they become young men compared to young women. ADHD is on the rise, and because boys are growing up with less involved fathers, they're more likely to drop out of school, drink, do drugs, become delinquent, and end up in prison. That's a bleak picture. Um, explain to us, please, in, in your words, what's going on? And by the way, those are about seven, seven out of seven, more than 70 problems that happen with boys that are dad-deprived. When I started, when I started researching the boy crisis, <clears throat> I didn't have dad deprivation as the, as the number one cause. I knew it was one of the causes, but I didn't realize that of the 10 causes I would identify, that dad deprivation was by far the, the most important. Um, but I saw, started out seeing that in 63 of the nation's most de- developed countries, there was a, a significant amount of, of, of problems with boys. Boys were falling behind girls in every single one of all the academic subjects, and especially in reading and writing, which are the two biggest predictors of success, of, um, of success, or success or failure. And so I started looking more carefully and started seeing that in, the, um, in developed nations, two things were very different. And one is that the, um, there was a much greater divorce rate, and boys especially, who, had, uh, who were dad-deprived, were doing extremely poorly in almost all these 70 different areas. And then, and, and then the other group was that in the United States, 53% of women who, who are under 30 who have children have children without being married. And in that group, um, there's three categories. One is children that don't even know who their father is. Um, number two is children who know their dad, but very minimally. And number three, children who, where, who, whose mom and dad are living with each other when they're married, but, uh, when they're, uh, the child is born, but they're not married. And in that group, the average child has their father with them in, in a significant way for only three and a half to four years. And it was in those two groups, the two big groups of, of children of divorce and children um, born to mothers that didn't have um, dads in their lives, um, that that the um, that the boys were in crisis mode. Those were the boys that would uh, were most likely to, to die of drug overdose. Um, as in the uh, you've probably heard of the opioid epidemic, epidemic, of course, in the United States. Um, there's there there were the boys that were likely to um, also the, the the boys who um, committed the mass um, shootings, yeah. uh, which are rampant in the United States. Those are almost all dad-deprived boys. Okay, so would you, can you in one sentence de- uh, define or uh, dad-deprived? I, I, get, I, get I get the picture you're painting, but do we also have situations where fathers just don't engage with their, with their boys anymore or with their, with their sons the way maybe was done previously? Is there research on that? How do you define da- dad-deprived? Yes, uh, uh, mostly boys that don't, that, that don't have their father living with them. Okay. That um, it's, uh, it's, they're, where they're not, and that usually happens when there's no marriage um, situation, and where the, and particularly boys of divorce, where the um, 
uh, where the father is living in a different place, the mother has gone off, to, say, to a different province or state, and um, and the and the and particularly if there is bad mouthing that um, occurs from mom to dad or dad to mom, but mom to dad bad mouthing is especially harmful to the boy because he looks in the mirror and he sees basically half the body language of okay. his dad. And he wonders if the you know the comments that his dad is a narcissist or irresponsible we, or a liar. Doctor Farrell, we have a, we have about a minute left. Um, oh, sure. uh, what's an effective countermeasure? Is it, is it as you write, getting getting the boys involved in sports and um, getting boys involved in sports is very helpful. Um, getting um, understanding the the differences between dad style and mom style parenting mm-hmm. and how important dad style parenting is. Um, training boys to be father warriors to be in, to know that it's as important for them to be involved with their family as it was for them to fight in a war um, in the past. Okay, I appreciate the time. You take care of your throat, sir. Thank you very much. I'm sorry that uh, no, no. why Dr. Farrell is struggling and what can we do about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Dr. Warren Farrell, joining us from San Francisco. It's WarrenFarrell.com. If you want to hear more. Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.